0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So Elon Musk is going to sue Media Matters. Good. That's exactly what should happen. Media Matters is an organization founded by David Brock. David Brock is a guy who decided years ago he was going to turn to the left as a way of, I argue, profiting. He may actually believe it, but he is amongst the most despicable when it comes to uh, the savagery of destruction of one's enemy. Not a disagreement, destruction. That's his job. To destroy his political enemies, and of course his political enemy is Fox News. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of what we're doing here. And so Media Matters will take anything that Fox says and try and turn it into something when it's nothing. I have had to deal with with Media Matters before. Anybody who's been in this business more than an hour probably has. This is what they do. How can we take a statement and try and make it destroy them? That's the objective. It's messed up stuff. Well, Media Matters has been going at sponsors for uh, Twitter X, Elon Musk, um, calling him an anti-semite placing your content next to anti-semitism and look at all the terrible bigotry and anti-semitism that's now on the platform because of Elon Musk that's that's one heck of, of a statement uh, to make this is Senator Richard Blumenthal my reaction to Elon posts uh, Elon Musk post was absolute abhorrent <laughs> his saying that this is blatantly anti-Semitic comment was, quote, the actual truth is sickening and chilling. And Elon Musk has turned X, formerly known as Twitter, into a cesspool of hate speech and extremist incitement. And I encourage, in fact, I urge advertisers like IBM, which has done so, to withdraw from X and to send a message to Elon Musk that hate has no place on this powerful megaphone. Senator Richard Blumenthal lied about serving in Vietnam. I just want to make note of that. Maybe, maybe he's redeemed himself in some way. Maybe. It's just part of his history. I don't think it's the only thing in his history. Uh, But, um... I think that when a a sitting senator who lies about serving, right, that's stolen valor. That's pretty ugly stuff. Um, Then advises private companies not to advertise in certain places where he doesn't like the message. That's equally ugly stuff. And utilizing the power of elected office to try and move people's political speech. I think that might be something we could consider a crime. I'll leave it to lawyers to figure that one out. What did elon musk do Uh, elon musk was wrong somebody had tweeted i still say tweeted i can't say posted it is what it is that they don't care how jews in the western world think because they've been supporting white hate for years whoa no i have not and i don't think you have either but if you were to take a look at the anti-defamation league and their support of Black Lives Matter, well, okay. They were wrong for supporting Black Lives Matter, which we've said on this show. The Anti-Defamation League has failed in epic, epic ways. There is a guy who is a lawyer with one of the big lefty law firms, Perkins Coey, who likes to come at me on social media. It's social media. You turn it off, it stops existing. Um, and he's on the Midwest board for the Anti-Defamation League. I'm like, this, this is exactly the problem. You're not actually interested in, in, in a conversation about anti-Semitism as, as it exists and ways to engage combating. You won't even call out Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. You won't demand not only their censure, their expulsion. You won't even say a bad word. You'll say, yeah, but Trump. but Trump. Kiss my butt Trump. Good Lord. That isn't an argument. now is it? But this guy uh, wrote this, that Jews have been participating in this anti-white hate. And Elon Musk responded with, you have said the truth. Now, he then went on to kind of follow it up and talk about the Anti-Defamation League, but that's, that's a little too late. It wasn't the truth, and Elon Musk was wrong. Flat out wrong. Wrong as wrong can be. When uh, Richard Blumenthal, a guy who lied about his Vietnam service, Wants to call out Elon Musk, but doesn't want to call out Ilhan Omar. I don't know what to do with that. Well, Tony, you want Ilhan Omar removed uh, from, from the House of Representatives. Why don't you want Elon Musk removed from Twitter? It doesn't matter if I do or don't. It's his company. What am I going to do? Tell him he can't have his own company? That's some authoritarian stuff there that I'll leave for the political left. And you're like, oh, yeah, they'll, they would totally do that tell advertisers they shouldn't advertise? Well, I think advertisers should be part of the free speech platform. I think I should be able to say of Elon Musk, to Elon Musk, you're wrong. And that he has corrected is at least a step in the right direction. Even though, yes, the initial tweet does create issues. Of course it does. It keeps building this nonsense. What is this idea that somehow the plan of the of jews is to replace white people in, a, in america it so doesn't make any sense to me i can't even describe it is this what they were yelling about in charlotte in charlottesville jews will not replace us i i still i never knew what that meant are you saying that there's some kind of great plan is this what they mean by the great replacement plan do you ever i don't know if you ever heard of that before it's the idea of people being replaced in a big plan to change populations Dude, I just want to be left alone. I don't know how many Jews I speak for. Maybe a couple, maybe not. All I want to do is be left alone. Not looking to replace you. I don't care about you. I want you to live your life. I want you to be able to do it as you see fit and I don't want to be bothered and I'm not gonna bother you. Isn't that enough? When did that stop being enough? Well, Media Matters, of course, pounces on this, Pounce seized, whatever you want to call it. Hey, you have a right to talk about it. It was an ugly thing to say, and he was wrong. No, no question. I said it. Wrong. We discussed it last week. But now they're aggressively pushing advertisers not to advertise. And as Elon Musk says it, lying about the company. So he said that he was going to engage a thermonuclear lawsuit. Not sure what a thermonuclear lawsuit is. But here here is the headline. Here it is thermonuclear lawsuit. The split second court opens on Monday. X Court will be filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those included in this fraudulent attack on our company. That they tried to manipulate advertisers and the public. This is exactly what Media Matters does. This is exactly what David Brock has always done. Even Glenn Greenwald, who I disagree with on a multiplicity of things. I think sometimes people forget that Media Matters was created, shaped, and governed for a long time by David Brock, arguably arguably the single most craven, deceitful, and amoral scumbag DC politics has ever seen. There was no way for anything decent to be spawned from that rotted root. Now, this also goes to a story that Media Matters, went about creating accounts to create false impressions for their article. They created three accounts and followed 30 accounts similar to the ones in the article. Then they constantly refreshed the timeline of posts. 50 impressions served against the content in the article out of 5.5 billion served the whole day points to the fact of how efficiently our model avoids content for advertisers. So, they're trying to make the point that they tried to do this, but it didn't work in in how they're trying to manipulate the, the system. So this is what's going on. Now, why does it matter? Two things have to be able to exist in your mind at the same time. Elon Musk can be wrong about a subject, but right in the pursuit of free speech and allowing people to speak freely. Two things can be happening at the same time, because they are, they are. The fact that I find something ugly and despicable, the fact that I know that a a statement like that from Musk makes my life more difficult, that is all true and it is my job to say so. And so I do. But the idea that I was able to say so is the proof of how well the platform is working. It didn't stop me. When I wanted to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop in the New York Post reporting, that Twitter told me I could not. They said no. No. So which one's better? It has to be that the better platform is the one that allows you to engage in a level of redress. Allows you to say that's disgusting. Well, that means it allowed the disgusting thing to be said. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Do you know when people go out there on social media and they say, I support Donald Trump, other people find that disgusting and don't think it should happen? Did you know that there are people out there, and I'm telling you, there are actual individuals out there who will go out there and tell you that Tootsie Rolls are candy and that it's good.
1: No, God!
0: No, it's it's true, they'll do that.
1: No, God, please, no! What? No!
0: I'm just saying, would would you just listen to me? No! Of course they're wrong. It's disgusting. People like Tootsie Rolls.
1: I hate Illinois Nazis.
0: Can we please? We don't have to go that far. But they're allowed to say it. The argument from the left, and we utilize the New York Post story for the example, is that they're not allowed to say it. That cannot be better. It can't be better. If you want to argue that Elon Musk has allowed X to become this cesspool of anti-Semitism, I will turn to you, Richard Blumenthal, who lied about his Vietnam service, and I'll say that's exactly what you did to the Democratic Party. Was it California? Carl's running the board today. Carl, look this up. The California Democrats, uh, they they had a convention, and uh, the pro-Palestinian, which is to say pro-Hamas forces, uh, broke in and wouldn't let them continue. The Democratic Party, what was that, Carl? All right, thanks. The the, the the Democratic Party, going back to 2012, voted against the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. You want to take a look at Twitter? <laughs> You're angry that you don't have control of the platform. We see you. And it's not that you and I agree with everything that gets said. You and I might agree that something gets said is, is rather awful. It's how we want to approach it where we have a problem because you believe it should be approached by limiting ability to speak. I don't believe that. By the way, here's the story Politico has it. Thank you, Carl. Well done. California Democratic Party chair vows consequences for pro-Palestinian uh, protesters that forced an early halt to meetings the night before. Any delegates who actively participated in or aided the furtherance of those activities or events in violation of our party's code of conduct will be held accountable. <laughs> oh lousy with Jew haters is the whole party but you realize this is more than an anti-Semitism conversation and I again state that I think Elon Musk was wrong it's not that I think he 100% was wrong wrong it's that the answer for being wrong for them is annihilation If that's the case, why is Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Andre Carson and Acosta Cortez and Ayanna Pressley and Jamal Bowman still in the House of Representatives? It goes back to something I shared before from, uh, from Sean Davis over at The Federalist. It's about hierarchy. I think that's a really well said way uh, to, to put it. Uh, and, and I might utilize it. I might come up with something a little more in, in my uh, vernacular. Doesn't matter what they're doing; it only matters what you're doing. I mean, it's very 1984. Doesn't matter what we do; it only matters what you do. You're the enemy. You're the problem. You're the threat. You see, if if, if when when uh, Rashida Tlaib posts that "From the River to the Sea" is a call to freedom, when it's actually called to genocide on social media, that's fine. When Elon Musk does it, it's the end of civilization. What is the difference between the two things, by the way, you might ask? Why am I more upset with one than the other? Well, uh, Elon Musk was not calling for genocide. And Rashida Tlaib has a long history of her hatred of Jews and her wanting to annihilate Israel that Elon Musk doesn't have. So that does come into play. Remember, the argument is not about the things said. It's about how they believe the response should go. And they believe the response should be the annihilation of the people who disagree with them. They claim to be on the side of decency, yet they hide and they protect the people who are engaged in the thing they claim other people are engaged in. In this case, the anti-Semitism. So yes, Twitter gets to stay X, whatever we want to call it. Yes, Elon Musk was wrong, and I was able to say so here, and I can say so on social media. And that makes the platform better than anything the left has run. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is up 181. The NASDAQ is up 153. We're going to go for a full four weeks of gains here? People going to feel good about their 401ks again? I hope. I certainly hope. What's the 10-year treasury at? I haven't, I haven't checked that out. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find it all at TonyKatz.com. Uh, 4.415. That was a pretty big drop. Just a just a second ago. I mean, I shouldn't say a big drop, but a, a nice enough drop. Um, okay, this is bringing mortgage rates down, which means we should see, as we've discussed, more houses selling over the last, over this week, uh, last week, this week, and maybe next week, as the rates stay down. This is, I'll take this. I will take this. Now, it doesn't change the inflationary pressures that are out there. It Doesn't change where holiday sales I think are going to be at. At all. I, I don't see good things on that horizon. More than happy to be wrong, I'm just saying that uh, it doesn't look good. And then I'll get into the whole firing of Sam Altman from OpenAI. This story is nuts. Nuts. And how it affects us. Because there's a, there's a big way it affects all of us. But everybody is talking about the new Argentinian president. Javier, is it Malay or Malai, M-E-L-E-I, 53, former economist uh, and television pundit who's absolutely a, a ball of fire. Uh, lots and lots of personality. They, they compare him to Trump. Uh, they call him a radical libertarian. That's how the Washington Post describes him. Got 56% of the vote and he's like, uh, you, can't, you can't trust the left. And he says it um, in a very, uh, very uh, not safe for radio kind of way. The model of decadence has reached its end. There is no turning back, he said. Enough of impoverishing power of the cast. Enough of the impoverishing power of the cast. Today we once again embrace the model of liberty to once again become a world power. Long live freedom, damn it. Oh... I don't know. I have no idea how it's going to go. I mean, it's a guy who, like, had chainsaws on the campaign trail, and he's like, we're getting rid of this agency, we're getting rid of that agency, we're getting rid of this. Let's see. Let's see if Argentina, which has its history, can maybe lead the way in South America to a capitalist and rational renaissance. Let's see if that then permeates. This is Tony Katz today. So the Colts had the bye week. Which uh, I would argue they needed, right? Everybody needs a little rest. I think they have a good time in the season. Seven games left to go. They are at five hundred. The problem is, I don't even think they can overtake the Houston Texans. And I'm not quite sure who's going to catch up to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are now seven. And three, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, what's going on, everybody? Find everything I do at TonyKatz.com. JMV joins us right now. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. 93.5, the fan. Uh, the Jaguars, uh, they, they beat the snot out of the Titans. They beat the stupid, yeah. nonsense snot out of the Titans. And never mind the fact that it's clear that Tennessee has no secondary. Um, it is... It is showing that Trevor Lawrence can play. It's showing that they've got an offense that works. It's showing that Doug Peterson knows how to coach and took a team that was in total disarray from the Urban Meyer days, which weren't very long but were still problematic, and turned it into a fighting machine. Uh, The the Jaguars are the class of the AFC South, and I would argue that the Colts are nowhere near that
1: point yet. You know, Tony, we talked about this last week, too. There's not a lot of opportunity, I don't think, for the Colts to punch their ticket to the postseason. But what they have done, at least at 5-5 five and five right now, coming out of this bye week, is they're in the hunt. You have a reason for us to pay attention each and every week. Now, if they stumble against the team they shouldn't stumble against, then that does disappear. But this is one of the, the older cliches in the NFL that really wears everybody out. But it really is week-to-week here with the Colts. It's week-to-week in terms of what you're doing with your team, uh, what your team can do at home, for example, against Tampa. And then, you know, you let everybody else and let everything else play out because some crazy stuff has and will happen. You look at Joe Burrow going down in Cincinnati. You know, now that's a game in December in which you look at the Colts being even more competitive in because, logically, it's going to be Jake Browning that's going to be good to go there. So things can change. But as far as looking at the Colts being in an ideal position to end up going to the postseason, we don't have that right now. And you're right about two things. Jacksonville certainly, you know, they got a little uh, – they got off the snide last week. They, they looked bad against San Fran. Uh, looked much better, obviously, yesterday. And then Houston. Houston survived three interceptions from C.J. Stroud and got over yesterday as well. So I guess Arizona – It's going to be tough to get over those two teams, but it is a week-to-week thing where you play it out, see what happens, and that's where we are with this golf team right now.
0: By the way, C.J. Stroud looking a heck of a lot better than Bryce Young right now, and you don't know if that's Bryce Young still learning his way or that's Frank Reich really does not provide what is necessary to be a head coach in this league.
1: Yeah, and also there's a question. Some would tell you that Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. But ownership in Carolina wanted Bryce Young. So that's already getting off to a bad start. And then to have a bad team like this, I'm not suggesting that Frank Reich needs a pass because I think it's clear to me that he's going to be done after one season in Carolina. But people will tell you that he wanted Stroud, didn't really want Young, and they got Bryce Young instead of Stroud. And we've seen how that's worked out so far. But I think it's also clear that Carolina's going to be looking for a new coach after the season, and Frank Reich is going to be one and done in Tony.
0: I mean, that this all leads to the idea of where in the world does development actually take place in the NFL? And you take a look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence, and you realize that even with the different coaches, he was given a chance to grow. Anthony Richardson, when he's healthy next year, you got to hope he's given a chance to grow uh, for, for the Indianapolis Colts. You need a couple of years to build yourself in the league. I mean, sometimes you get a Brock Purdy, but that's rare, rare, rare stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt. I mean, this Anthony Richardson thing has to work. Absolutely has to work. And you're right about the rarity of Brock Purdy. But I'll give you a great example. Brock Purdy is able to ease into that situation because of these skill positions that have been taken care of in San Fran around him. And mind you, I understand that the Niners went through a three-game losing skid. But they're a prototypical type of team to where they have addressed – the positions of need, especially defensively, both ends. Chase Young, you acquired him. You got a Bosa on the other side too. You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Iook. You got George Kittle. The one thing they didn't do was be prototypical in terms of building with a quarterback. But they had everything else, and then you added a quarterback that is all of a sudden now taking shape, gaining confidence week after week. You see, because there is better talent around him. Here it's going to be Anthony Richardson making the talent around here better. And to start to do that, you have to remain healthy. You got to be able to play. You got to be out there and you got to be active. And, you know, that's the thing that we're all going to be questioning until we actually see it from Anthony Richardson on this team next year. This time next year, we'll probably have a pretty good answer. But until then, we won't.
0: Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Let's go back to where this Colts team is. They're 5-5, and and you talk about the fact that, for example, the injury to uh, Joe Burrow, keeping him out uh, for the rest of of the season. You take a look at the Colts' schedule, and you say to yourself – there's opportunity here. The Bucks, the, the Titans, the Bengals, the Steelers, which, I mean, lost to the Browns, the Falcons, the Raiders, who seem better with Antonio Pierce at head coach and Aiden Connell as, as their quarterback. They at least don't seem to look like they just hate themselves and hate everything around them. And then you've got the Texans at the end of the year. There's a chance for a winning record here. I don't think there's much of a chance for a playoff push here, although I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. The question before us is what already at five and five, what has this season answered for the Colts and what questions have now been created?
1: You know it's funny? I don't think it's answered any questions. I think at five and five we're as cloudy about the future of this team as we would have been at the beginning, and here's why. The biggest question, the one that matters the most, we're not gonna have an answer to, no matter what happens at this season. And it's funny, you kind of look on whether or not there's going to be disappointment. For me, there'll be disappointment if they don't remain in the hunt for the playoffs, even though I don't believe they're going to go in it. It's just because I think these games are winnable. And in terms of seeing a team grow, I don't think there's anything wrong with growing as you win. You don't have to lose every single stinking game to be a team that's retooling and growing. You're allowed to win and then move from week to week and then grow and mature from that. The problem is... We're not going to have any answers for what is most important, and that is the quarterback right here. Zero answers whatsoever until, as I mentioned, coming up this time next year, and that's what you're always reminded of. This is just kind of a lost season here because you're going to get the rookie season of Anthony Richardson, the sequel, next year. Um, I don't look at it in terms of you know how they say it's just kind of like a, a gravy type of year in time for Thanksgiving here. It's just gravy because – you know what, nobody counted on you being here and people suggesting you weren't going to be here and you're bad and you're better than you are, and that's okay, but you're not going to find the ultimate answers that you really need to know regarding the offense and at quarterback, but I will suggest while you're here, go ahead and win those games that are winnable. I don't want to hear about any entertaining losses or any garbage like that if you're there and you're better than win these games. And really, Tony, that's what I expect against Tampa coming up on Sunday. You look forward to a game against Tennessee again. I look to that. I mean, further down, you mentioned some of the teams they're going to play in a schedule that remains that is incredibly winnable. So even though it doesn't have much bearing on the future, I don't think, you can still kind of live in the moment and the present and give the fan base around here something to be happy about, something to be proud of, something to be surprised about, given the circumstances of this year so far, Tony.
0: But the one thing we can agree on is that Shane Steichen has proven himself to be a coach worth having.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Does he need to manage a little bit better? Yes. And I think that starts I think that starts with not always acting like you're the smartest dude in the room. You know what I mean? I I mean I thought that some of these play calls, you know, and, and the way that he handled, for example, Spots against Mike Garrett in that Cleveland game where, you know, you're you're absolutely trying to outthink somebody else. I think there are oftentimes answers in the NFL in which you and I know, along with the head coach, and you go ahead and go with that. I don't think you have to outthink everybody. So, yeah, decision-making is what I call it. You know, feel for certain circumstances. As a rookie, you know that has to get better. But I think the nuts and the bolts of what he has, what he can put together offensively, um, and then we'll see what happens defensively if Gus Bradley is here or they go out and try to find somebody else in the offseason. I think that he is certainly a good choice for this team as head coach, and he's shown that in his rookie season.
0: Let's move away from the Colts. Let's move over to the Pacers. The loss to the Magic, 128 a 116. I'll keep saying it, man. Defensively, this team gives up a tremendous amount of points. Second in the central standings at 7-5. and five. I'm not discussing worry or panic or anything uh, like that. Uh, I am saying that when you take a look, people want to point to exactly the kind of season the Halliburton's having. I'm not opposed uh, to to that. I All the respect in in the dang world, and, and people really dig them. Fans seem to dig them. I, I, I like that. There doesn't seem to be much defense on this team uh, there, JMV. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: Tony, last night was a joke. Their defense most often has been a joke. And that's that's the the cut and the dry. It doesn't matter what month, what day, what hour we're talking about in an NBA season. Last night, I'm sorry, cannot happen at home. It's happened once already in Boston. And we gave them a pass early in the season, and Boston's really good and all that. But last night at Gambridge Fieldhouse, you have your first sellout of the season. Have everybody amped up after, you know, it's been like four or five days since they last played. They got that win in Philly. And they came out flat as a pancake, zero inspiration, and let this Magic team do whatever they wanted to, completely dictating the terms. I thought last night... The effort was a joke, especially defensively, and you're absolutely right. You have to improve a little bit. You can be fantastic offensively, and that's great, but you have to be able to get some stops, and this team has been unable more times than not to do just that, and you're going to have other opportunities to feel like you do today as a Pacer fan and be disappointed in what you witnessed last night, which was, again, a joke and an absolute embarrassment, no matter what time of year we're talking about.
0: So this brings us to this, you know, how does this season look? How do they correct this issue? And and uh, if you're Coach Carlisle, how do you correct this this lack of defense problem?
1: I, I don't know if they have the bodies to do it. We talked about all this depth this team has. Um, they don't have anything depth-wise defensively. And I think the problem is the starters that they have, are the ones that are the major issues right now. I mean, the starters that they have are are the problems, the ones that can't play defense. As much as I really like Tyrese Halliburton, he is part of the issue right now because he can't guard the guy opposite of him. And until you get better at doing that, it's going to continue to be problematic for this team. And offensively, they can score and do, you know, basically whatever they need to do against other offenses, or I should say against other defenses, but they absolutely cannot guard anybody whatsoever until they get better at that, then you're going to have games like this and you're going to make progress, but you're not going to make the amount of progress, which is necessary because there's going to be a point in the season, Tony, to where it's going to come down to getting a stop here or there, getting a fourth quarter stop. And this team has all too familiarly, not been able to get that done, and that has been problematic, and yeah, I but, think will continue to be. And you ask about Rick Carlisle with answers. I, I don't think he has any. I don't think they have any answers right now regarding that. Is
0: this about pieces that need to be obtained? And this goes back to I, I was never super familiar with him. Daniel Thies, Theis, T H E I S U. They they traded over, or they waived actually, and then got picked up by the by, by the Clippers. And you're like, okay, I wasn't familiar with his play or his place on on, on the team really, but then you're like. It, is is our problem we don't have uh some big body guys who can just intimidate the crap out of somebody else. We're all based on the speed and and the finesse. Is it the way the team is set
1: up in, in general? I, I don't think it's so much of that. Um I think we've seen a couple of different times where he would have helped out in, in situations. Like in Milwaukee comes to mind and Philly comes to mind, you know, end up winning those games. But, you know, those two Situations where the bigs all got in foul trouble and you have to go small. Now, I will start here with this defense. I think it starts at the point of attack, and I think it starts with everybody being able to get in the lane and picking and choosing how they want to dissect the Pacers' defense. And it all starts with Miles over, have Miles contesting, and then a kick out for a wide open three. When the defense, you know, tries to help or, you know, dropping it down when Miles' guy comes over, the point of attack. So it starts out front. And whether that's Halliburton or whomever it might be out front, you have to have – you have to show more resistance against guys that are really good but guys that are just consistent, consistently taking this team off the dribble. That causes all t- kinds of problems in defensive rotations – and you get easy baskets for the opposition. That's especially what we saw yesterday with the Orlando Magic. Everything was done off the dribble in relative ease with no, and I mean, no resistance whatsoever. That can't happen. And until that improves, this defense won't improve.
0: JMV, he is the voice of sports in Indiana. 93.5, the fan out of Indianapolis. Be sure to check him out. JMV, always appreciate it. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. The University of Michigan spends $18 million a year on its DEI staff. Which is a huge amount of money to say, see, we're really nice. Please don't hate us. Despicable. $18 million a year to teach... Students how to hate each other and how to hate themselves because DEI is built on the same Marxist principles as everything else we discuss when they're talking about Israel or they're talking about uh, the 99% and the 1%. It's the occupied and the occupier. It's the oppressed and the oppressor. It's the, the, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. It always comes down to that. Marxism doesn't change. They just change the terminology. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. DEI, University of Michigan, $18 million a year. And it isn't the only thing that's going on. We know this in colleges all across uh, the country. Well, now Iowa, I think Iowa joining Florida in, in this one. Iowa, the Board of Regents, instructing the state's three public universities to eliminate all staff positions focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion that are not necessary for the school's accreditation or to comply with state or federal law. First of all, what state law exists in Iowa? Get rid of that. Secondly, whatever federal law, get rid of that. Third of all, we we are now holding it over, people. Either be the woke people we demand you to be or don't get paid. Oh, just another reason win elections. I know it's difficult. I know what's happening. Still has to be done. But good on Iowa. Every state should be moving this aggressively to go away from the hatred. I'm Tony Katz. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.